Good morning. My name is Katie. I am the family ministries pastor here at Hope City Church, and I am so honored to be able to speak to you all this today. Uh, how's everybody's Labor Day weekend going? Good? So y'all, I got a little sunburned yesterday. It was at my daughter's cross-country meet, and let me tell you, I never thought I would love cross-country as much as I do. It's amazing. If you've never been to a cross-country meet, like, check it out, because what you do, you get there, and they give the kids, like, a walkthrough of the track, and so crazy parents like Brad and myself, we're going to go through that walkthrough, because we want to know what they're doing, and so we're like, okay, my in-laws are there, and they're like, okay, you all stand at the start and cheer her on there, and I'm going to go, like, 100 yards up, and I'm going to cheer her on there, and then Brad's going to go, like, behind this barn and then cheer on. And then I'm going to run up this hill and I'm going to cheer on here. And so we're like following her along. Brad's following her on the zigzag. He's like running up this hill and she has to go like around this soybean field. And she is like about to break. Like she goes up this huge hill and I'm there and I'm like running with her. I'm like, come on, baby, you got it. It's only downhill from here. And I'm like, I don't really don't think it's downhill, but we're going to, we're going to say it. So she's like, she, so she, she tears and all, she makes it down the hill, she gets to the finish line, she goes up, and she beats her time from last week. And we're like, ah! So we were so excited, and it's like, it reminded me of you all, and it was like, we need people in this, this place. We have been talking about dreams and going, and we have people around us here that are cheering us on, that when we get tired or we're about to break, y'all are there. And if you don't have those people, look around because there's so many people in this church that want to cheer you on as you're going. So that has nothing. I mean, it's a little bit to do with my message, but not really. I just wanted to share that with you all, <laughs> kind of explain the sunburn on my face. Um, so before we get started today, I actually do have a question for you. And you don't have to answer it. I just want to give you time to kind of think about it. Um, let's see. Why do you want to go to heaven? So assuming that you're in here today and you're at church that you want to go to heaven, the question is, why do you want to go? Maybe you want to go because there's no calories, like <laughs> ice cream every day, all right? Uh, maybe it's because you want a new body or it's going to be awesome. Or maybe you want to go because you have loved ones there. Or maybe it's because it's, it's just not hell, so that would be great. So today we're starting a three-week series called The Way, The Truth, and The Life. And this is based on a statement in John 14 where Jesus states that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So we're going to try to unpack that and see what Jesus was trying to say to us in the next two weeks, um, Pastor Jason will take the last two statements, but today I'm going to talk about when Jesus said, I am the way. So we live in a world that provides us so many ways to get what we want, ways to get money, the way to be happy, the way to lose weight, and go read this book, follow this person on Instagram, do this, and we start to kind of challenge, it challenges our beliefs. It's like, what is true? What is fair? What is right or what is wrong? And we start to think these things, they become like short-term satisfaction for us. They end in this dead end. We psych ourselves up for the next thing that's going to fix us, and sometimes we end up disappointed. And then we become cynical about it, and we don't even want to try anymore. So then Jesus shows up and says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. But something inside of us pushes back. Because we've tried other ways, we've believed other truths, and we felt alive before. 
So I grew up like in this part of town, uh, about seven minutes from here. And I went to middle school and elementary school over here on Newcut, but I went to school in the heart of downtown Louisville, uh, Presentation Academy, that fourth and Breck. And back then there was like no reason to go downtown except like the Galleria, I think was the only thing, if anybody remembers that. <laughs> this was before the Yum Center, before First Street Lab, before all of that. And I remember so many people getting like, I can't believe you're going to school downtown. And one of the things that is the most frustrating thing for people about downtown is the one-way streets. Like you're like, I need to go right there at that restaurant, but you can't take a right because they're like, you got to go left because it's a one-way street for whatever reason. You got to go left, and then you got to take a right, and then you got to take another right, and then you got to take another right to end up right here. So that can be so frustrating sometimes. So that's why this series is so important because Jesus is going to teach us what we already know to be true. Only he lives up to the hype. Only he doesn't end in a dead end. So today we're going to read from two different stories. Uh, if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles out and flip to those, it's John 14 and Luke 16. But before we read those, I have something else I want to read you. So anybody in the room like country music? Anybody? All right. All right. I love it. Okay. I grew up on country music. One of my favorite concerts of all times was like, it was a state fair concert. Keith Urban opened for Kenny Chesney. And then like Tim McGraw, Montgomery Gentry showed up. And it was amazing. So as I was um, working through this sermon, I kept thinking of this old Kenny Chesney song, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. And I was uh, thinking that these lyrics actually set up what Jesus wants to teach us today. So I'm going to read them to you for those who don't know, know it. Here we go. Great Ch Kenny Chesney. Preacher told me last Sunday morning, son, you better start living right. You need to quit the women and whiskey and carrying on all night. Don't you want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates? I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope he don't call today. I ain't ready. Because everybody wants to go to heaven, have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. Said, preacher, maybe you didn't see me throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. There's a 10 to help you remember next time you got the good Lord's ear. Say, I'm coming, but I ain't in no hurry. I'm having fun down here. Don't you know that everybody wants to go to heaven, get their wings and fly around. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. So I think if we're being honest, we would agree with that statement. I mean, there's some people that would flippantly say that they want to go to hell. And actually, I was one of those back in my late teens, early 20s, like, I'm going to hell, party it up, it'd be great. But overwhelmingly, I think the majority of us would say we want to go to heaven. But if I asked you if you want to go now, I'm not sure any of us would say yes. So most people don't want to go to heaven right now for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are pretty noble reasons. Uh, I want to have a baby or I want to get married or I want to watch my kids grow up, and I want to travel. Some reasons are a little more selfish. They might say that, they, uh, that you want to live it up and party while you can. But inside of all of us, there's this tension that we want to go to heaven later, especially if the alternative is hell. It just means that we're not totally convinced that heaven is better than something we can have here on earth. We would say Jesus is a good thing, but not the best thing. So we have this, like, perfect scenario in our head. We can live life the way we want, not bound by religion or God, and then at the last minute or maybe even after we die, we can choose to go to heaven. Wow. 
But Jesus is wanting to tell us today, there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to God, and that is through him. So we're going to read from John chapter 14. And a few things I want you to know about the, chap- the, the book of John. So the book of John is written by John, and it's 21 chapters. And of those 21 chapters, nine of them focus on the last week of Jesus' life. And of those nine, seven of those focus on one day. So what we're reading today is from that one day. So if you were about to die and you had your closest friends and family around you, so this is the, he's going to the cross, he has the disciples around him, you would want to say something really important or something that people are going to remember. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's telling them the essentials of what it means to follow him. So let's slip over to John 14. Verse 3, and it, it, it says, when everything is ready, this is Jesus speaking, when everything is ready, I'll, I will come get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. Verse 5, no, we don't, Lord, said Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus is telling the disciples the plan. I came down here. I'm going to go back to God. And when the time comes, I'm going to come back, gather up all the believers, and take you to heaven with me to be with God. And that's the fundamental truth of Christianity. Those who believe in Jesus will spend eternity with him. So I want to make sure that we all know what I mean by eternity. So I kind of uh, looked it up and everything this week. So eternity is eternal life, which has two meanings. The first meaning is never ending. So a life that never ends. The second meaning talks about the quality of someone's life. So Jesus makes life better, but our best life is supposed to be with him for eternity. That's what the Bible means by eternal life. So let me read John three thirty six. You don't have to go there, but um, and any it says, and anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life. Eternal life is available for anyone who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus. You will have a different life here on earth if you followed Christ, but the goal is to have eternal life with Him. So what makes heaven amazing is not the mansions and the golden streets and all the perks. What makes heaven so amazing is you get to be with Jesus forever. As people, as people in this room or people that you know that believe in Jesus, there should be something inside of us that desires to be with him. There's like this itch or this longing because nothing in this world satisfies us like he does. The thing is, is that if we're not longing for that, we might have to question whether or not we're putting our hope in something else other than God. If that is the case, the Bible calls these idols, and this idol is something that we desire more than we desire God. All of us have them every day. I'm not teaching on this because I don't have them. We have them. We wrestle every day to, with something that we're too attached to. And I actually, a couple of years ago, this uh, Psalm 139 kind of wrecked me because I didn't there were some things in my life that I didn't know I had as idols. And so I just um, 
read this verse and it helped me kind of reveal to me what it was that I was putting my hope in. It's Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. So the thing is, is we might not know what our idols are. It could be a lifestyle or a substance. We could be putting our spouse or our kids, something even like actually that's good, or money or a career. But if we don't know what it is, if we allow God to search us, he'll reveal it to us and lead us along the path to everlasting life. So John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to heaven, and then I'm going to come back, and you get to go too. And they say, how do we get there? And, he, and that's the question. How do we get there? And he says, the, the disciples are kind of looking for directions, like steps they need to take. How do I get to heaven? And he says, you can't find it on your own. I am the way. So the disciples ask and say, tell us how to get there. And Jesus says, you follow me. This statement separates Jesus from any other religious leader. There's other religious leaders that they call themselves way showers, showing people the way showing people uh, different religions so they show people the way. But Jesus makes this bold claim looking inward saying, I am the way. You have to follow me. He doesn't say he is a way. He doesn't say he is an option. He says he is the only option, the only way to get to God. And I wonder how that makes you feel. Like, wouldn't it be easier if Jesus was one option out of multiple? Wouldn't it be easier to understand like, that maybe Jesus is the best option, but there's other options. But the thing is, is that Jesus is drawing a line in the sand and he says, you either believe I'm the way to eternal life or that I'm not. This isn't the only time that Jesus is trying to make it clear on who he was. He actually has seven I am statements where he says, I am the, um, and I wanna give those to you today. He says, I am, in his ministry, there were seven of them. So he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what does all that mean? Jesus is saying, I am the only thing that can satisfy you completely. I am the only thing that can overcome darkness. I am the only way to God. I am the only one who can lead you where you want to go. I am the only one who can redeem your past and give you a hope for the future. And I am the only source of life. You see, Jesus was confident on who he is. He's not just another teacher or prophet. He's not an option of other religions. He is the answer to your life. We are born sinners, so we naturally want to kind of push back. Or if you're like me, you want to be in charge, you want to be in control, and you're, you kind of rebel against this. So I, as I was studying this, I felt like there was three things that kind of make us want to push back about the statement that Jesus is the only way. And the first thing is it's too easy. That sounds way too easy. We don't like the idea that we can't save ourselves. Sometimes we think it's Jesus plus something else. Like it has to be Jesus plus I have to go to church or Jesus plus I have to live morally or Jesus plus I have to fill in the blank. It actually, uh, we want it to be a little bit harder. We would rather say that we've earned it, like we've taken the 50 steps to be saved, but we can't earn access to God. Only Jesus can give that to us. 
So another fun fact about the book of John is that there's um, the word believe is in there 98 times. So I told you earlier, it was 21 chapters. So that means it's approximately five times per chapter that he says the word believe. So John doesn't just want you to have this list of things that Jesus did. He simply wants you to believe. And, to, and so you might think to yourself, okay, I believe, great. That means I'm in, right? I'm in heaven. Well, first of all, I'm not the judge. But I do know, and I think that you would agree with me, that to say you believe and to believe are two different things. To believe means that you believe that Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy you completely. He is the only thing that can overcome darkness. He is the only way to God. He is the only one that can lead you to where you want to go. He's the only one that can redeem your past and give you hope for the future. He is the only source of life. That is so much different than saying, I believe Jesus lived on earth. That's saying, I believed, I believe that he is who he says he is. So Jesus removes all the barriers to be with God. But we think it's too simple. We want to add something to it. So for some of us, we think that it's too easy to believe that Jesus is the way. For others of us, it might mean that we think that it sounds like it's too exclusive. Like with Jesus says, he didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. So we automatically think of our friends and family of other religions or our agnostic or atheist. And maybe it sounds like he's leaving them out. But ironically, Jesus is the most inclusive person you've ever met. When you read through the Gospels, you hear that he befriended criminals and prostitutes and adulterists. He helped lepers who no one else wanted. He empowered minorities and women. He is the most inclusive person there is. He says, you're broken, come here. He says, your life is falling apart, I'm with you. So while it may feel like it's exclusive, like relieving somebody else, somebody out, Ephesians 2.18 says, now all, so everybody say all. all. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ did for us. If Jesus was being exclusive, he would have said, I am the way and only a few of us can come. But he says, there's only one way and anybody who wants to come can come. You just have to believe. What's interesting about this is that we don't have trouble like accepting that there's certain things, certain ways that we have to do certain things here in this life. So I can't just jump in a police car and just like drive down the road. I have to be a policeman. Like I can't say that's too exclusive. I want to drive the police car. Or like um, you can't go knock on the White House door and be like, I want to see the president. And they're like, no, like you can't. And that's too exclusive. Like I think I should see the president, right? And uh, growing up, actually, my dad, he was a circuit court judge down in Jefferson County. And so we would have this, like, secret elevator um, that we would go in an underground, like, garage. And we'd go up and we'd bypass all the security. And then we'd end up in, like, the judge's chambers. And I have pictures and videos of me pretending to be the judge with the robe and the gavel and everything. But, like, I got to go there because I was with my dad. Like, if I was on the other side of it and, like, hopped up, like, a deputy sheriff was going to, like, tackle me. So the only reason I could go was because of who he was. So, we, he, so my dad was my credentials to be able to sit up there. So here on earth, we accept that there's certain requirements for us to access certain things. 
but we assume everyone has access to eternal life. The truth is, Jesus is our credentials. Jesus is our backstage pass. God's desire is that no one will perish and everyone would have eternal life. And all he asks us to do is believe. Let me say one more thing about this exclusiveness um, because I know it can be kind of hard for us. So we are so troubled by the fact that not everybody's gonna go to heaven and that's so true. But the best thing about heaven is that we get to be with Jesus forever. So there's some people on earth that don't wanna have a relationship with him. So we shouldn't be upset that they don't get to go to heaven with him. I know that's hard to understand, but we do know that Jesus turns no one away. And not only that, if y'all been around here, even singing that Reckless Love song, like he chases us down. He's going to fight until we're found. He's fighting for us. But all we have to do is come to him. So first, we want to push back that Jesus is the way because it sounds too easy. The second is that it's too exclusive. And the third one is something that has challenged me personally, and it's our experiences. So there's no denying that our experiences kind of shape a lot of who we are and what we believe. You might have grown up like in a household that it was like belief plus uh, some kind of rituals or sacraments that got you into heaven. Or maybe it was the way that were like steps you had to take. They had to believe, then you have to confess, then you have to give, then you have to go to church. Um, it kind of goes back to being too easy. But what you learned before doesn't kind of line up with what it is. But Ephesians 2 tells us that we're saved by our free gift of grace, not a reward from our good deeds. Other experiences is like we may have heard some misconceptions on who Jesus is. Maybe we've been around Christians that are negative or closed-minded people, and so it's hard to believe that you want to be like that. Or maybe you've experienced like sometimes Christians like sound excited that you're going to hell. Like they have like a sign out on the street that's like, get some cold water or whatever. And you think to yourself, like, are they going to heaven? Because that's a little crazy. But please know that Jesus' heart and our heart here at Hope City breaks for anyone who doesn't know Christ. Anyone who has the heart of God would not want someone to go to hell. In John 3.16 is a very uh, common verse or well-known verse, but I love 3.17 because it says, God sent his son to the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Some of our other experiences that may have shaped us is maybe we had somebody we looked up to, a pastor or a mentor or something, and they had a moral failure or a secret sin. So then we kind of question our own judgment based on that. Uh, if we're not careful, our experiences will shape our beliefs. Sometimes we've experienced friends or families' funerals who were not sure exactly where they were with their faith. So to cope, it's easier to think that there's multiple ways to get to heaven. Whether it's your religious background, other people or misconceptions that make you question Jesus, the only thing we can agree on today is that our experiences, our experiences make it difficult to accept this truth. But I know some of you are thinking, how do we know that that's true? And that's why I'm super excited about next week's sermon where Pastor Jason's going to kind of teach us about when Jesus said, I am the truth. So let's recap. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to come back, gather all the believers, and then we're going to go. You know the way. And they say, well, no, we don't. We don't. And he says, I am the way, the way. But we push back because it sounds too easy sounds like it's exclusive, or our experiences have told us otherwise. But in a culture where there's endless ways, fame, 
power, money, philosophy, mindfulness, the God in you, the universe, positive vibes, do more, be more. We can become completely paralyzed by options. But none of those things are big enough to be God. I love how Jesus starts, John 14, verse 1. He tells the disciples, you, have, you already trust God, so now trust in me. And he goes on in verse 11. He says, just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. He's telling the disciples, believe because of what you have seen me do. And we can say the same thing. We have seen miracles firsthand in this place. We have seen lives transformed right before our eyes. We have seen, I've seen my best friend go from a bathroom floor with a needle in her arm to eight years of sobriety, leaving pe- leading people to Christ. I've seen people living paycheck to paycheck take the step of tithing and receive blessings they can't even count. I've seen my own husband struggle with anger and anxiety be completely transformed right before my eyes. So trust what you have seen and trust Jesus when he says he is the path to everlasting life. Okay, I want to read you one more story, and it's kind of a long story, um, so we're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but I think it's important uh, to hear because it is kind of where we are. This is a parable or a fictional story that Jesus told about two men that died. One goes to heaven and one goes to hell. So let's see. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At the gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table and the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried to the angels to sit by Abraham in the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus by his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Verse 25. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send my father to send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Listen, Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Now, I don't tell you the story to scare you because we already know the answer is the way to heaven is Jesus. I tell you the story because everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. We all believe that if we could see the next life and be certain and come back, that we would make the right decision in this life. But Jesus says that we won't. 
that we have all the proof we need in the scriptures. So we're so focused on the next 10, 20, or 30 years, we give barely any thought to the next 1,000 or 10,000. But here's what I know to be true. In order to get where you want to go, you have to know a few things. You have to know where you are. You have to know where you want to go. You can't just tell Siri, like, Siri, get me there. And Siri, because Siri will be like, where you want to go? I'm like, okay, I want to go to Gulf Shores, Alabama. I'm going there in like a month, so yes. All right. All right, you tell Siri you want to go to Gulf Shores, Gulf Shores. And she says, where are you coming from? And you're like, my current location. And then finally, you have to know the way. See, nobody gets where they want to go by accident. You can't take a right and end up where you want to go. You can't go I-65 north to Alabama. But the good news is you can turn around. So my question for us today is where are you? If you take an honest assessment of your lives, do you know where you are? Are Are we lying to ourselves on where we are? The next thing is where do we want to go? Where do you want to go? How many other ways have we tried? And finally, are we at a place today we would be willing to admit that Jesus is the way? All right, let's pray.